0: James 1, 1 to 18 uh, <clears throat> James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings, trials and temptations. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything, But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. coming down from the Father of the heavenly Lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of the truth, um, that we might be that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created.
1: Very good morning to everyone. Morning, and also um, a very happy new year to everyone, if I haven't said that to you earlier on. Today is already the 5th of January, and... Um, it's such a wonderful time to be able to worship together. I really like it um, when um, our 5 p.m. people are here. Um, we see the energy, the vitality, and I like it when Matt is here. When, uh, when he is here, we, we have the drums more often.
0: <laughs>
1: Not that we, we don't have other drummers, but um, I believe we will have... Uh, More of these drum beats when he is around. I like drums. (laughs) Because I play drums. (laughs) So, the first Sunday of 2020, are you happy to be here? Oh, (laughs) yes. Yes, I I hope you would get more and more excited uh, as this uh, um, 30 to uh, 40 minutes pass, because there are a few exciting things that we're going to do today. And uh, the first thing is, um, we are going to start preaching from the book of James, as you have read uh, just now from uh, chapter 1. And... um, It goes back to around October last year when uh, members of our EMT and and a few other people started working on our preaching schedule for um, for 2020. And so we were considering what is best for everyone here for this year. And um, I feel that the Holy Spirit is really connecting us in a very special and a very real way. And so um, we, we, we all know that now, um, the decision is that we'll be preaching from the book of James um, this year. And um, the, the, the important thing is um, we are still able to have a book series, um, even though we were thinking, um, we're not sure whether we're going to have our own pastor in the church um, in October, November, December, we were still thinking and praying and waiting and so on. Um, but anyway, we decided, uh, to the credit of EMT, that uh, it is important to have a book series. So we will be pre- preaching from today until the beginning of March. So you will see there, nine Sundays in a row we will be preaching from the book of James. And um, uh, I, it doesn't happen very often, right? When, uh, during the worship service, we'll ask people to... Uh, get their mobile phones out if you want to take a picture of this. Right? It'd be good if you follow it on, and then uh, um, every Sunday uh, before you come to worship, try to read through that passage so that it would not be the first time you're reading it on a Sunday morning before uh, the preacher starts uh, sharing from God's Word. So this is uh, a good practice. So I actually see some people taking photos already. Right? Good on you. And then the uh, second exciting thing about uh, 2020 is that, um, oh I forgot to uh, take it with me, you actually have two sheets of paper given out when you come in, that's okay. Uh, One of them is about our church theme for uh, um, EFC from 2020 to 2024. So we expect all of you to be here uh, from 2020 right through to at least 2024, and of course you should be here too right? after that. But the exciting thing is, um, um, starting from this year, we're going to have a united theme for the whole church, for all the congregations, all the languages. And I don't want to spend time talking about it now, and uh, you should not be reading it now. Right? So take it home, uh, read through it, it probably takes you uh, something like three, uh, most four minutes, uh, you will finish it. And then the other th- exciting thing is, you've got the prayer sheet. So it sounds like, well, it's a lot of reading, but the prayer sheet is not for reading. What is the prayer sheet for? For prayers. All right? So you don't have to actually read through it in one sitting. Uh, you can pray on each item uh, every day. right? So you can cover it and then you can go back to number one and then uh, start all over again. So it's not a lot of reading for you, but that's the exciting thing. Right? We can pray, we, we can learn from the Word of God. And um, there is another very, very exciting thing which uh, we would uh, uh, want to do today, but I'll leave that until I finish my sermon, and then uh, I'll I'll, uh, uh, do this exciting thing. So for now, uh, let's start on the book of James. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you once again. At the start of a year, we want to be seriously uh, getting to know your word in a deeper way. And we ask that uh, you would uh, help us so that we truly experience your presence and your power, and uh, we ask that uh, our lives will be impacted by knowing your word and by knowing you, who you are. We pray, Lord, that you would bless us, um, bless EFC, especially our English congregation here. Thank you, Lord, as we gather before you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the book of James, um, I I believe a lot of you would have read through the book of James previously uh, once or twice or maybe even more. Um, But one major theme of the book of James, I would say, is to be authentic, to be real. And that's why I've got this title for today. Let's go back to the previous one, Becoming Authentic in a Pluralistic Age. We live in this kind of age, pluralistic, sometimes materialistic, sometimes confusing, sometimes conflicting, uh, sometimes difficult, sometimes struggling. This is the kind of age, this uh, this is the kind of world that we live in. And the book of James, we know that it is very, very practical. It teaches us how to live as a Christian, and especially how to live authentically, be real, to live out our faith. One of the most famous uh, and popular and most memorized verses in the book of James tells us that faith without deeds or without action is dead, it is worthless, it is fake, and we become hypocrites. Uh, for a piece of jewelry, for a handbag, for paintings by the great uh, masters, if they are not real, if they are not genuine, we say that it's fake. Another way of describing it is it's not what it claims to be. And so for people, right, if you are not what you claim to be, you are fake. You are a hypocrite. So it's not a very nice name to be known by. None of us would like to be called fake or hypocrites. And and that is why the book of James is so important. So for the next nine Sundays, we'll go through it. We'll learn gradually. And um, so uh, James 1, verse 1, um, a very foundational verse from there, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, writing to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. We know that, of course, the Bible is not just written for those twelve tribes of Jews. These Jews, certainly they lived among people who are not very impressed with their beliefs because they believe in one God. They believe in the one and only true living God. While peoples around them, they believe in a lot of gods. They worship a lot of what we call idols. But for the Jews, because of their monotheistic thinking, right, there is only one God. And peoples around them don't really like them. And that is the kind of age that we live in right now, the uh, 21st century. And then, of course, we realize that the 21st century is not something very special because even in, in, in the Old Testament times, the Jews, they lived around peoples, who did not believe in only one God. They lived in lots of gods. And so that that is the word pluralistic, materialistic, struggling and conflicting and confusing and every other adjective that you can think of. We live in this kind of society. And as with the whole Bible... The Holy Spirit inspired the writers of all of these books of the Bible to write to us also here and now in the twenty first century. We live in a in, an increasingly post Christian world where they want to uh, uh, practice uh, like same sex marriage abortion, and then we have to face these LGBTI issues. And uh, just last week, two Christians were killed in Texas, America, uh, during the time of communion. And then uh, this pastor Wang of a house church in China, he, he was sentenced to jail for nine years, just last week again, for criticizing the government in the church. And then we know of Christians persecuted and killed in lots of different nations, especially North Korea, Africa, India, even Indonesia. This is the world, this is the kind of world that we face. But in this kind of world, James reminds us in verse 2. He said, "'Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, it's really mind boggling. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, trials of different kinds, consider it joy. And not just joy, pure joy. Pure joy. How can that be? Who would be so silly? These people must be out of their minds to be able to consider it pure joy when you face these kinds of trials and temptations. But that is exactly what James wants to tell us throughout our study of the book of James, and of course, throughout our life on this earth. So, how can this be possible? James said it is possible because of the four good things that God has promised us. God promised us four important good things that would come out of our trials and temptations that would help us to be empowered and energized and strengthened to become authentic Christians (laughs) in this tough and difficult world, sometimes even hostile world. So James is saying to us, receive these four promises from God that would empower you and propel you to become authentic Christians as you face trials and temptations. Number one, perseverance. We know that God gives us perseverance. Perseverance. Verse 4, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Perseverance is the first promise that God promised each one of us. When you're facing trials and temptations, He would help you to persevere. He would help you to persist even under these kinds of struggling and depressing circumstances. Even the world is hostile to you. They are not very friendly. Even in a world that is full of suffering and hardships and struggles, the Lord said, I will give you perseverance. You will be able to go through it with me, walking with you, sitting with you, standing with you. And then what does perseverance lead to? Perseverance leads to perfection. What is that? Because James said, let perseverance finish its work so that, so that, indicating the result, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. You're mature, you'll be complete, you would not lack anything. What does that mean? Perfection. You would become perfect, In the eyes of God. When you persevere, you lead to the fruits of perfection. So it is possible, that is what James is saying to us. It is possible because God promised you perfection. And then thirdly, perseverance and perfection, what does it lead to? It leads to glory and honor. That's in verse 12. Verse 12 says this, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Why? Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. What's the promise here? The promise is the crown of life. What is the crown of life? The crown of life is glory and honor. A glorious life. Sometimes we say a prosperous life, but prosperous indicates uh, materialistic stuff, so we don't want to use that word too often. So rather we say a glorious, fruitful, abundant life that God promises to everyone who loves him, everyone that he loves, and everyone who perseveres and achieves perfection from God. That is the third promise. You know, in those days, even uh, when they were having these Olympic Games, they did did not actually have the gold medal, right? So what what do they get when they are the champions, when they are the winner in that race? They don't get a gold medal. They don't get a silver medal. They don't even get a bronze medal. They don't even get a medal, right? What do you get? You get a crown. A crown of what? Leaves. Leaves. Vegetation. (laughs) That's what you get for being the winner. And yet, they strive for that crown of leaves and vegetation. Why? Because that's honor. That's glory. That's respect. That gives you abundance. But in those days, of course, it makes you feel good about yourself. And of course, what we are after is not to feel good about ourselves. What we are after is God's promise of an abundant and glorious life. Abundant life here on earth and glory in heaven. That is what the Lord promised us. Now, This is important because in counseling and psychology, there's a technique that we use that's called naming. Naming, just name it. Just name it. How do you name it decides how you feel about it. How you name it decides how you think about it. The most popular illustration that we use is, of course, again, the half cup of water. Are you depressed because you've only got half cup of water left? Or are you excited, are you elated because you got a big half cup of water that you can enjoy? So that makes the difference. And in a sense, that's naming, or sometimes we call it redefining the situation. And redefining it determines your attitude. So press again, you see this. Your thinking or your perspective determines your attitude. And your attitude would, de- would, would, would uh, um, determine your emotions. Right? Your attitude determines your emotions. Your attitude determines your response to different things. But the most important thing is what you call it, what you define it, how do you name it? So when you see trials and temptations all around you, how do you try to get on top of these trials and temptations? These two words are really difficult words. I want to uh, uh, give it a short form. These trials and temptations, I call them TNT. Well, in fact, because uh, these two words are different in English, but in the Greek text in the book of James chapter 1, it's the same word it's the same word for trials and temptations so right? so in a sense it is it's the same thing but then in another sense it's a different thing right we're not going into that today but anyway uh, let's call them t and t so when you see t and t what do you see what do you see how do you name it when you see these t and t's do you see injustice or you simply consider them mistreatment, or you consider them a punishment from God, or uh, you consider it uh, uh, God abandoning you. He forgot you altogether. If that's how you see it, you get so depressed. You even get angry. You get bitter towards God. Because you see all these things in a negative light. On the other hand, if you see these T and T's as maturity, complete and not lacking anything, because T's and T's would lead you to perseverance, perseverance will lead you to perfection, if you see it this way, if you see it in this biblical way that James is teaching us this morning, you will be joyful. You would not get depressed. You would not pull a long face. You would instead wear a smile, a smile that comes from within. Well, of course, we don't really get excited and elated, and we don't dance around because we face trials and temptations. But you will have inner joy and peace, peace that passes all understanding because you see them as opportunities to grow stronger in the Lord. Because you see them as opportunities that would help you to come closer to your Heavenly Father. And these are opportunities for you to experience firsthand the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that is why you can be joyful even in these hardships and struggles. So from now on, TNT does not equal to punishment from God or, or, or uh, a judgment from God or abandoning. But TNT equals to the road to maturity, perfection, glory and honour and being closer to God. Because never, God never promised us a rose garden. God promised us that even with these thorns and thistles, we can grow stronger in Him. And so from now on, we name it in a different way. But then, the question that a lot of us would have in mind, why is it so hard? Why is it so hard? If, if perseverance is good and we should be joyful, Why is it so hard? Why is it that so few Christians actually would tell us that they have joy in their hearts when they are in hardships, when they are struggling, when they uh, face these trials and temptations? Why is it so hard? And the answer comes in verses 5 to 8. Verse 5 there, it says... If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So wisdom is the fourth promise that the Lord has given to you and me and each and every one of us, even here in the 21st century. And why is it so hard? Because we lack wisdom. And also because when we lack wisdom, we're not aware that we lack wisdom. We thought we had a lot of wisdom while we lack wisdom. And then even for those who may start to become aware that we lack wisdom, we refuse to ask God to give us wisdom. And that is why it's so hard, because we don't have the wisdom from God to see things through. We don't have the wisdom from God to help us see that TNT does not equal to punishment or judgment from God, but TNT equals to maturity, completion, perfection. And then we would lack nothing. So we need wisdom by asking God to give it to us. You know, to get wisdom sometimes is not through studies, because through studies you should certainly get a lot of things. Right, you you get a lot of knowledge when you study. But then I have to warn you also. Well, even Bible study sometimes may not help. Right? Of course, we have to study the Bible. Right? Don't get me wrong, and don't misquote me in the future saying that uh, this pastor says the Bible study doesn't really help a lot. Uh, no, no, no. All right, I'm not saying that. I'm only saying that Bible study may help, sometimes it may not help. Why doesn't Bible study help? Because sometimes in our Bible studies, we get a lot of knowledge of the Bible. We even get a lot of knowledge of God's Word. But think about it. Does God's Word equal to God? Does knowing God's Word equal to knowing God? Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. You may know the Word of God by heart. You even memorize the whole Bible from cover to cover. I bet none of us have done that. (laughs) Even though you may have done that, I'm sure you have a lot of knowledge of the Bible, a lot of knowledge of God's Word, but you may not know God personally. You see the difference? So when you lack wisdom, of course we go to the Bible. But then when you go to the Bible, you have to make the knowledge of the Bible your personal knowledge of God. And then, it's not just knowledge of God. It's not just knowing about God, but knowing God. And there, there is a vast difference sometimes between Knowing about God and knowing God. And so these verses teach us to ask for wisdom. And to ask for wisdom, we have to know the Word of God, we have to know God, we have to pray. Ask for wisdom. And that is something that you can actually ask for. I don't know how many of you may have asked for wisdom well, when you are facing an exam tomorrow, you would ask for, what do you ask for? You ask for good memories, right? You ask God to help you recall each and every word that you have read from your notes and from your books, each and every word that you have heard the lecturer say throughout the year, and of course that's not possible. But when we lack wisdom, we ask God to give us wisdom. And once again, wisdom does not equal to knowledge. Wisdom does not equal to IQ. Right? We all know the difference. And so we can, sure, we can be sure that when we ask for wisdom, God will give us wisdom. Why? Because God is a generous God. Because God does not tempt you. Because when you ask for wisdom, you ask God to give you wisdom to rename the trials and temptations. Because when you ask for wisdom, you ask God for wisdom to know God as He really is. And I can assure you that when you ask for that kind of wisdom, your prayers will certainly be answered. And God will certainly grant your prayers because you're asking for the right things. You're asking for what God wants you to have. And so, ask for wisdom. And behind all this, I think it's extremely important, especially in 4B, to know God as He really is. You know, sometimes we have so many twisted ideas of God is, what God is like. We have wrong impressions about God. We have wrong understandings of God. When we read the Bible, we misinterpret the Bible. And so, we don't really know God as who He really is. And the Bible here tells us that God is generous. He is generous to give you wisdom, especially when you ask for wisdom. He is generous. He will give it to you. And it's important also to understand that God does not tempt you. Verse 13. Verse 16, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Contrasting two different kinds of understanding of who God is and what God is like What is your kind of understanding of God? Do you think God is someone who tempts you to sin because he enjoys seeing you sin? Well, earlier on, we also read from this same passage that God is the God who doesn't find fault with us. And then James says a very similar thing. God does not tempt you to make you sin. It's your own evil desires. I still remember many years ago when I was uh, trying to get my driving license. Most of you have that, uh, that kind of experience. When you sit in the car, the examiner sitting next to you, what does he do? He looks at you sternly. Start. Start. Okay, start. And what does he do while you're driving? He doesn't look at you anymore. He looks at a piece of paper with a pen in hand. One take, two takes, three takes. What's he doing? Finding fault. He enjoys finding fault with you. But our God is exactly the opposite. He doesn't want to find fault with you. He doesn't tempt you to make you sin so that He would rejoice in heaven. Ha, 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 I got you. That's not God. That's not our God. He is generous. He is all-loving. You know, some people think, because God is all-knowing and He is almighty, so if I sin. He would have known beforehand, and yet He allows me to sin. And so I start to doubt, did He make me sin? And if He knew that I was going to sin, why did He not stop me from sinning? He must be evil. He enjoys finding fault with me. You know, sometimes we have these kinds of misconceptions about God. But James wants to clear it once and for all. God is generous. He would grant your prayer. God is the Heavenly Father who would give you every good gift from above. It is absolutely essential to have the correct understanding and impression of who God really is and what he is really like. If you think there may be some misconceptions in your understanding of God, I would strongly encourage you to try to fix it, correct it, because that's essential to what you believe, because what you believe depends on who you believe in. So God is generous. He does not tempt you. So when you face trials and temptations, don't use this phrase that has been around for at least 30 or 40 years. Many years ago, there was a video someone produced, and the title of that video was, The Devil Made Me Do It. And then sometimes we think, God made me do it. When I sin. God made me do it. You know, I There was a time when I enjoy fishing, but I'm not good at fishing. I enjoy fishing primarily because I've got some good friends who are very good in fishing. Right? They go fishing so often. And so sometimes I just go along with them and they prepare the fishing rod for me. They prepare all the prawns for me. You know, sometime, uh, someone actually taught me uh, uh, to, to, uh, um, to be very effective in fishing. He said, um, you know, the fish, they don't really like prawns. They like beef. <laughs> Have you tried that? Right. And then he actually tried that. Right, because he said, I was fishing on this side of the, of the pier and then I saw someone over there and he kept bringing fish up and I haven't got anything. And so he went around to ask him, how did you get that? He said, my bait is cheese with beef. And so we tried that too. Right? But anyway, I enjoy fishing because they prepared everything for me. Right? And so, I, so I, I just went along. But then somehow, I was standing right next to them, I used the same kind of bait that they use. It was the same sea that they were (laughs) facing. And somehow, every five minutes, they got something. (laughs) And yet, I was still standing there. Nothing happens. And so, they said, because you're a pastor. (laughs) Why? Because you're a fisher of men. So so all you got are men. Of course, some women too. And so they said, I got the fish and you got the men. And so I tried to figure out how come the fish like their baits and not my baits? The same kind of baits. And so these verses actually go through that kind of process when I think about fishing. When each person is tempted, when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and they are enticed, so the fish, they're swimming, enjoying themselves, they see this prawn or cheese with beef. Ah, something yummy. And they knew that someone is behind that bait holding a fishing rod, getting ready to get them. But yet these fish, they thought they have wisdom while we know that they lack wisdom. Right? And that's how sometimes we thought we've got wisdom while we don't have wisdom. Right? And we're like the fish, or the fish are like us. So they swim, they enjoy themselves. Wow, this yummy cheese and beef. Wow, cheeseburger. And they thought, I'll be so quick. I'll be so quick. I'll outrun your fishing rod. I'll win over you. And I'll take a bite and I'll swim away. Well, I can tell you that it worked with me. Every time I waited for 10 minutes and 15 minutes, nothing happened. The guy standing next to me, he got three already. And so I took my fishing rod and I take a look at the hook. The bait is gone. And so the fish won. But for the guy standing next to me, He is wiser than the fish, and he is wiser than me in fishing. And this fish, this evil desire, they want to win. And when the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And the fish think, I would get a bite, and I would win. But then it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. And the guy standing next to me, cut you! And right away, <laughs> cut up the fish. Leads to death. And sometimes we blame God because we misunderstand what God is like and we misunderstand what we are like. But James is saying to us, we can live authentic and real Christian lives because God has given us these four important promises. None of us like to be called hypocrites. None of us like to be fake. We want to be real. And that is how James said we can be real. And so this would be the start of our study of James and this also would be the start of our church theme for the next four years, our theme on discipleship and making disciples and the general theme that I gave was becoming authentic disciples of Jesus Christ. First of all, we have to become authentic and real and then we can Make other disciples. And I pray that we will become real. We will become authentic by the word and the power of the Lord. Well, I said there is another exciting thing that we're going to do today. And so um, just before I finish this morning, there is another important uh, um, Announcement to make. This important announcement, I call it the most important announcement of the month. Let's go there. i skip through, I'll leave it for next time. The most important announcement of the month is that there is an incoming associate pastor for our English adult ministry, and he will commence on the 4th of February, of course, 2020. 2020. Not 2021. And uh, most of you would recognize who this is, and his name is Pastor John Poir. Do you know how to pronounce his last name? I actually asked him, how do you pronounce your name? He said poa, which in Cantonese is poon, right? if you know any Cantonese. Right? Um, many of you recognize him. He has been preaching for us for the past uh, two to three years because during that period of time, he, he's been the chaplain of uh, um, a nursing home. So he, he's not a church pastor, so he doesn't have to turn up at that particular church every Sunday, although while he's not preaching here or anywhere else, he does turn up at his local church. And so, um, uh, somehow we found out that he is available. (laughs) And and so, um, uh, to the credit of Arthur, who has worked very, very hard in our search process, we started to have conversation with John, And um, so Arthur had coffee with him, I had coffee with him, and uh, some of us here had lunch with him, and so on and so forth. And praise the Lord, this is the exciting news. He would start on the 4th of February. And incidentally, because like I said, he's been preaching for us for the past uh, three years, um, before we knew that he was going to come on board as our pastor, our EMT has actually started to schedule him to preach in 2020. And so the next time he'll be preaching for us is actually the 2nd of February, before he officially starts, right? And I actually had to check with him. Are you happy to guest preach for us one more time? <laughs> and he said, yes, yes. Uh, he, he would be glad to do that. Right? And so for the next three or four Sundays, um, uh, his family would be saying goodbye to his local church in, uh, um, I, in in North Epping, and then they would come over here and start serving with us. And so you see um, his wife, Lika, and um, his daughter, Joanna, his son, Joshua. Um, I know some of you have already talked to him. You know something about him. I don't want to say too much about him today, so I leave you more room to explore with him uh, next uh, next month when he comes, let us uh, let us be excited. So I I think this is one of the most exciting news in in, in the month of January. Do you feel excited? Yes. <laughs> is that how you feel excited? <laughs> Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace and for your love. We thank you that after a period of search, you have brought the right pastor to us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're the head of the church. We know that John is the one that you have brought to us. We pray for our church. We pray for John and his family that we will be able to work very closely together to minister in your name, to build up one another and to build up your church. Thank you, Lord, as we start studying the book of James uh, today. And uh, we ask, Lord, that you would teach us, you would uh, help us to become authentic Christians because we know that this world uh, uh, is becoming more and more skeptical about uh, Christianity. Have mercy on us, Lord, if we are not real if we do not live out your life and your love, we know that we will continue to lose this world. We pray, Lord, that your life will fill each one of us here at EFC and you would help us to be light to the world. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.